0: And there's still time.
1: Friends in podcast land, and welcome to episode 56 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Steve Panther, and we're coming from UBC's Thunderbird Stadium again after the Whitecaps' first day back at training following their 1 0 loss to LA at the weekend. It was an interesting game, Steve, really good first half performance, kind of died out a little bit in the second half, and of course. Vital lack of concentration just after half time cost them the goal and the three points, or at least a point. But what did what did you make of the game overall,
2: Steve? Well, I, I thought it took them a few minutes to settle down at first. There was uh, kind of a few um, scary moments at the beginning there, but once they got settled down, I thought they did provide quite a bit of an attack. We haven't normally seen that in going down to LA. Uh, they usually are very timid throughout the whole game. Uh, this time they showed a little bit of. Hope. They just couldn't finish. Uh, guys like Kakuta, Many, Darren Maddox, they had chances, but there was no finish there in that final third or that you know, that last pass or so.
1: And of course, we we have to say, excellent play from Jamie Pinedo as well. A couple of really good saves to, to kind of keep his team in the game. And that that's kind of the difference. It's like you need to have difference makers in the team. LA have that. They have Pinedo in goal. And of course, they have Robbie Keane up front. And when you've got guys like that, even if you're... Kind of under the cost a little bit by some teams, then you get points in the end. And that, that's what the Whitecaps are needing. They're needing a couple of guys that can be those guys and to kind of step up and make the difference in games.
2: Definitely. And uh, we're talking about, you're talking about Robbie Keane. Obviously, we have to go right to the only goal of the game. And I thought it was just a matter of falling asleep at the wrong time, right out coming to the out of the half. Worst time to allow a goal. First, last five minutes of a half or a game. Uh, it hurt them big time on this one
1: at, at, at half time or just after half time Perry Sikowski had spoken to Carl Robinson and Carl was saying he was kind of going on about how the team had to play really solid for those first 15 minutes and keep it tight because he said his exact words were games are won and lost in the first 15 minutes of the second half and came to came to pass players didn't listen to him obviously lack of concentration who do you blame for the goal?
2: Uh, you have to, I think the the run that Marovic made, whoever it was, the covering, I think it was Gershon Kofi. It was Kofi. Uh, I think that's where the blame has to lie. You can't allow a guy like that who's playing a little deeper because he's looking for the space to make that run in there. Another uh, guy that I know, you know, I'm not going to fully put the blame on this guy. It was. It's, it's more of a pet peeve of mine. It, it kind of goes back to the Colorado game, too. They seem to give too much respect and too much space to players that might not deserve it. I personally have not heard of Ishizaki before. I, I know he's played in Sweden. He's a, he's a, played at the high levels there, but they need to close down on these guys a little bit more. Jay Demerit I think gave up too much space. He's over aggressive sometimes, and sometimes he's not aggressive enough. In this case, I don't think he was aggressive enough. He had cover behind him. If the, a Galaxy player was able to get by him, the, there were still some players there. But to allow a cross from that spot with guys like Keane and Donovan to finish, I think it was a very dangerous point to be.
1: Just in general, it was just a whole cluster for the goal because you, you had the the whole defence switching off. I mean, I at the time I blamed Kofi and I still think he should have tracked him a bit better but even so, it's like Keane had got goals side of him by that point so I don't think there's a lot that he could have done and I think Keane would probably have finished it anyway even if Kofi had been tracking back. You also then had Andy O'Brien who was at the near post and was there no communication? Did Kofi not... Shout and tell O'Brien that that Keane was running in, and then should I instead have come out as well? Mm-hmm. He was a little bit kind of stayed in his line.
2: Well, Just, O'Brien was at the near post because Merritt was so far out wide, so he had to yeah, cover Yeah, but then there was Harvey, the Harvey, and then so, where I, should have maybe moved in a little bit deeper too. So it was a lot of a lot of a, a Galaxy. Obviously, did something, saw something at halftime that they saw that they could expose because I think they even did another tried another play almost from that exact spot. They made they had some kind of plan that worked to perfection right out coming out of the halftime.
1: Well, they they had their chance as well. Like Donovan, thankfully, he had like a 50-pence
2: piece heat um, and the ball went flying over just before half halftime. What, one of the things that, you know, you see the difference between the Whitecaps and the Galaxy. Keane finished that play right there. He made a great run into the box. Later on in the game, I, I think it might have been 20 minutes left, 15 minutes left... Tyra made a run down the left side, and he was basically on the left wing. He made space for himself, sent a ball into the box. There was not one Whitecaps player who made a run into the box. It basically sailed. The goalie actually had no chance to get it, too. It sailed right by him. The goalie was caught off guard. If there had been one or two players made a run into the box, that could have been the tying goal right there. Well, that was
1: always one of my big complaints last year was that they were making breaks, and then there was nobody up to, to support them. And, I mean, it happened again, but they played well, still a defeat, and I don't know, it's, they had their chances, first half their pace definitely caused problems, and after the game, Bruce Arena said, and a couple of the other senior players said as well, that the pace of Mattox and Manny, they knew that they had the potential to cause their defence problems, and they, they did, and the Whitecaps just need to exploit that a little bit more, but they have to take their chances when they get them, and that's what they're not doing. And they really are missing a guy that can consistently put the ball in the back of the net. Somebody like Akeem Defoe at Toronto. You've got hey Green at uh, Columbus. And you've got guys... MC in Seattle? Mm, now. Now. <laughs> Maybe starting to earn his money. But one of the Whitecaps' priorities they have to get a guy that's going to be regularly finishing. Kenny Miller, don't know if he's going to be that guy. And of course, Miller didn't start against LA. Him and Rio Coker were placed on the bench... Rested in the veterans, but what, what did you make of that decision? Good, good idea,
2: bad idea. Well, real Coker, you have to uh, like he. We all know that he was in the in the best shape coming coming into camp. He really didn't. He kept work playing ninety minutes in the preseason, but by the time the season started, he, you could see he was it was gutted and winded and everything by the eightieth, ninetieth minute, and then he obviously had the bicycle incident or bike rack incident because there was no bicycles involved apparently. And then go get the concussion. So obviously there's there's issues there as well. And then because he's got the concussions, he's not training. So I don't I didn't expect him to play next. I thought it was a kind of a 50-50 chance he played against the Galaxy. Plus it's an away game in the heat. He's not fully fit. I think there would have been problems if he had played. Miller, on the other hand, I I, I thought he was getting arrested maybe a little bit earlier in the season. Maybe in the fourth or fifth game. Um, they waited until obviously to the Galaxy game to do it. Uh, I think if Kakuta had been healthy right off the bat in the pre- coming off the season I think Miller would have probably sat at an earlier point of the year
1: yeah that, that's a good point I, I find it strange to kind of drop Miller for a game against a Western rival but with the Whitecaps record down in LA maybe they they thought look we're maybe not going to get anything from this anyway it's going to be a good chance to to rest them and also to to try and exploit their pace because they they've going to have watched game tape they're going to know that LA can struggle against fast players so they kind of wanted to try something different i i liked Carl Robinson's comments before the game he was speaking to to team radio and he said that they they tried to play Uh, the veterans down in LA before and I hadn't got them anywhere. So he thought, why not mix it up and and play some of the young guys and, and give them that experience? And he wants to get the young players some experiences this year. And an away game in LA is definitely one of those experiences. So, I mean, he's done that. He's got them that experiences. Going back to Rio Coker, I agree with you. I do think his fitness would have been a problem in that LA heat, especially coming back after a couple of games out. I thought... Carroll might have gone with maybe a back two or like a defensive shield of Rio Coker and Tybert because they had done that a couple of times in pre-season and it was working well down in the Portland tournament. But Tybert's come in and he's done really well. Kofi again didn't stand out. Um, I would expect him to lose his spot this coming weekend to, to Laba when he comes back in the team. After training today, he came off the pitch, spoke to a couple of journalists and the impression I got was that he maybe doesn't think he's going to get back in the team on Saturday. Fitness is still a concern as we've talked about a lot. He kind of indicated about that. But one thing which he did say is that no player wants to start on the bench and that's a good attitude to show. But if he does keep starting on the bench, it's then what he does and what kind of attitude he shows and... And basically, what he brings to training after that, and we'll, we'll see what happens with with him. It's going to be an interesting one to watch. Do you think Rio Coker's even going to get back in the team for this weekend?
2: Uh, if they decide to go four two three one, I don't think so. I think it's going to be. I think Tyburn did, has earned a spot, and I think they want to be more attacking. Get Mane into the lineup. They don't want to have him sitting another game, and I think Miller will get into the lineup. So. It, I think Miller gets in. I think that he knocks Kofi out, and I think everything else is the same. Maybe Fernandez is another question that people have whether he goes back into the lineup or not because he didn't play well against the Galaxy. Morales, who knows about him? It could be still injury issues with him the back and everything like
1: that. Well, oh, hey, he was getting some work on his back at training on Tuesday, not nothing it major. Was, just it was afterwards. After
2: training, it was completed. That's when the tra- the the work was done on his back. So we won't look too much ahead to,
1: to this coming game because we'll, we'll save that for your preview podcast coming up on Friday. But I agree with you about Fernandez and he's just, he struggled and he, he was playing good preseason and all the the kind of comments were, oh, him and Mesquita play really well together. Can they play without each other? And the answer apparently is no.
2: But I thought Mesquita actually played, showed some stuff when he came on. Well, I like Mesquita. I think it's his first appearance in a while too. Um, I thought, I think he might even, I think maybe try him out on the wing. I think they, they need
1: to try and get him into the games. and it, it, He's not going to dislodge Morales, and he, his favourite position is playing at the number 10. But he can play out wide. We've seen some kind of game tape where he has played out wide. And they have to try and do something, I think, to get him in. Because when he comes in, he's looking hungry, and that's what you want. You want the guys that aren't playing, that are on the bench, that are coming on maybe not just even getting minutes at all, that when they do come in to show that hunger, and he's one of the guys that's doing that, so it's going to be interesting to see how they can try and fit him into the lineup. But that's enough from us about the, the game at the weekend. We got some audio from training on Tuesday, and we'll, we'll play a little bit from the scrum first of all, with head coach Carl Robinson.
0: I thought you saw that um, we've got a lot of talented young players who were able to hold their own with you know, one of the best teams in Major League Soccer. So I thought that was an encouraging point. You know, The performance was very good. Uh, tactically, I thought they were excellent in what I asked them to do uh, for the majority of the game, barring maybe two or three minutes after half-time. Uh, but I think we, we can be better in areas. I think we can possess the ball better. Um, but it, it's a belief thing as well. I think obviously going to a L.A. away is a, is a difficult enough game as it is. But you know, what I've said to them today, I want them to be encouraged by the performance they put on. But also, we can step it to another level in terms of when we have the ball.
3: How important are these next two games? I mean. You showed well, but you didn't pick up a point. Yeah. When you look at getting the Galaxy and then Real Salt Lake, I mean, you could go from two to two to maybe four or two, two, or a key. you could also yeah. go the opposite way, though, too, yeah. right? So it's important for the obviously to learn, but you yeah. also need points right now.
0: Yeah, That's what the game's about. The game is about points. You know, I'm not um, naive enough to think it's not, but you know, it's about also giving young players chances as well. And I said to you after our first game of the season, it's not going to happen overnight. So. You know, they will continue to get their chances. You know, we've, we've got a tricky uh, tricky run, a tough run, as you call it, with L.A. twice and Real Salt Lake away. And, you know, we play play three games against teams that have won MLS Cup in the last three or four years. So, you know, it, we know it's going to be difficult, but said, you know, it's important we try and pick something up whenever we play, whether it's at home or away, and we get our next test on uh, Saturday against L.A.
3: Did you have to buy Robbie a beer afterwards or
0: I did, yeah, yeah. He, um, I always do. To be fair, it's never him that buys. I'll make that point known. But I did, and hopefully he'll have to buy me one here next uh, Saturday. But like I said, like I said it was it was frustrating. I was pleased for him, but I was absolutely not pleased for him because obviously he took um, a point that I thought maybe we slightly deserved after our first half performance on the road uh, away. But you know we get a chance to redeem that on Saturday.
1: I will also hear from
4: Jordan Harvey and Jada Merritt. It's a tough place to play. Uh, they're a quality team. They have some really good players. And if you do make one mistake, you'll pay for it. I thought we went in with a good game plan. I thought we were solid defensively um, for the most part. You know, We did give up things here and there, but they did as well. And we didn't capitalize on it. Do you, you, know, do you worry about the fact that we haven't won there? I don't think so. I mean, I think next time it'll be a different story. I think we have a lot of confidence and we're looking forward to that next rematch at their place. Looking back over the game, I thought we created a lot of chances in that first half. I thought they started well, but we picked it up and and we've got some dynamic players that were able to get on the ball and get some shots off. Um, On the road, you need to capitalize on those opportunities that we couldn't. Obviously, you got the Galaxy coming out again this weekend. Do you expect the, the, game, the dynamic of the game to change at all now that you're back at home? Yeah, I think uh, you know, we're going in with a lot of confidence at home. And I think we should go in with a lot of confidence regardless of the result. I thought we did play well. There's little things that we need to tweak here and there. We need to play more. I thought there were times that we played it long and we could have played around them and kept possession. But I think we can fix that at home. Looking forward to it. Is there a belief among this group <laughs> yeah. that they can compete with the best teams in the league based on the yeah, performance on the weekend? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we are a good team and we do have some confidence and we've competed with some really quality teams, Houston, New York, you know, and uh, I think we're going to go in with a lot of confidence. I'm, I'm excited about this next weekend. First bit of real adversity for this side, dropping back-to-back matches?
0: Well, I, I suppose if you want to look at it that way, but I think you, you look at two... Fairly solid performance that needs a little bit of tweaking to to go the other way. So I, I think we got to stay positive so far uh, this season and, and and not go into these types of things. We know that we're still a work in progress. We still we still know that we're doing a lot of positive things out there. You know, there's been times uh, in previous where uh, maybe that wasn't the, the case, but you know you look at the shots we've created, you look at the limited chances that they've had, and if that again if, if that hype of performance stays consistent and we turn the screw a little bit more as far as uh, you know limiting uh, you know mistakes on the defensive end and uh, creating and finishing our chances on the offensive and then it's a different story.
1: So Kyle Robinson there making some, some comments at training on Tuesday. Now the the game that's coming up this weekend, it's, it's a battle for fifth. The final playoff spot, Whitecaps just ahead of the Galaxy just now. Obviously the Galaxy have two games in hand. And it's early in the season. i just trying to hype it up, get the tickets sold. <laughs> Easter weekend, let's just hope that the Whitecaps can stage some kind of resurrection. And have a visit from the Easter Bunny. Don't forget him, he's cool too. Or maybe some bunny girls. Mm-hmm. That, that would be how I would market this game. Bonnie
2: girls? Is that like a Spanish Yeah, bunny girls.
1: Bunny girls have them handing out their eggs. But in all, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's another game against Western Conference rivals at home, and the Whitecaps have to take something from it.
2: Yeah, so far this season, they've played three games against the East. they picked up seven points. Three games against the West, I know two of them have been on the road, but they've only picked up one point. And this... Essentially, this is one of the reasons why that Colorado loss was so devastating because that was a beatable team. Now they have to, they're playing LA twice and then they're going to play Real Salt Lake. So that's three tough games in a row. They could potentially end up with zero points out of those three games based on previous, you know, previous seasons and results and how they've gone until San Jose where they're going to face a somewhat easy opponent again. So this game well it's not it's very early to call it a must win, but you know it's as a must win as a early game in the season could be
1: yeah it's going to be tough, but I mean the white caps they've they've played well against l a at home over the last couple of years, so i'm I'm expecting a closer game. I just think it's going to be interesting. we won 't go into it too much just now, as i said we'll save that for the preview podcast. But it's going to be interesting what lineup changes that that Kyle Robinson makes.
2: Yeah, and you know I know you're not going to be able to do your MLS musings this week. Nope, haven't had a chance to watch everything yet. But taking a quick look at the standings, it, I just want to make a couple of points. It's very surprising to me that Colorado has like now picked up two wins on Canada. Uh, they beat us obviously two weeks ago, and then they beat the TFC. Uh, well, they didn't have Bradley or Defoe in that game, so it was. It was but still impressive on them. Yeah, the new they, coach they and everything. Well. They picked up six points now in two games on the road. And it's very impressive for them.
1: And I, I, I liked what I've seen from Colorado. I liked when I was chatting to the guys afterwards. We're gonna. We had an interview up last week on AFTN with Clint Irwin. And there's going to be an interview go up this week with Dylan Powers, so watch out for that. But just speaking to the guys, they've all really bought in. We, we kind of mentioned this in the in the post-game show against Colorado. They've really bought into what Pablo Mastroeni is wanting to bring to the team. And I, I think that kind of buy-in is what Kyle Robinson seems to have here. It's just Colorado's having a little bit more success just now. Uh,
2: going on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, while it is, I, I, th- I, I figured they were going to struggle... It's very, still very surprising that they've yet to pick up a win, and that's Portland Timbers. The, they drew again at home against Shivas. Six games now, they've picked up four draws, four points. It's, it still hasn't put them out, obviously, like we said earlier this season, but still very surprising that the second year has been this much a drop-off. I thought it was going to be a little bit of a drop-off, but to have it this much is, is pretty surprising. It's good from a Whitecaps point of view because the bigger gap they can get at any
1: point of the season, then it, it means that Portland's going to have to chase, and getting the getting the points on the board early is key because t- teams have collapses. We've seen it with the Whitecaps. We saw it with Dallas last year. I mean, Dallas are top of the table just now. They had their first loss at the weekend. But it just takes a couple of runs for, for a team to drop down the table. It takes a couple of runs for a team to move up the table. So Portland getting off to a bad start, fantastic from, from the White Cat's point of view.
2: Well, I, I think Vancouver is more of a team that's going to be stronger as the season goes on. as soon, like Gelling better, the brown guys are going to play better. I think right now it's about treading water for them and making sure they don't fall far, too far behind everybody. Which they're not, and it's like they, they have got some, some decent points on the board so far.
1: But it's a key point of the season coming up and they also want to kind of hit the Voyagers Cup in, in a good run of form as well. And I think it's going to be interesting to see who Carl Robinson maybe brings in in the summer. I think there could be some some big moves. Like We've talked about Nigel Rio Coker. If he doesn't get back in the team, do you even keep him around? You can't have a guy making 400,000 basic and more than that guaranteed sitting on the bench. And when you look at the DM talent that's out there, Kofi as well, Bryce Alderson making 115000 you can't have these guys not playing and someone has to go and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Rio Coker maybe move on
2: yeah and you could invest that money back into a player that's more uh Dynamic player on the wings or something like oh, that. Oh, or also
1: proven goal scorer. I and, think or a, tar-
2: well. a target striker. Uh, th- that would be ideal to have somebody like that. Big man. Yeah, big man like that. Because like, Nile maybe, Cousins, he would do the trick. Uh, I think experience is lacking a little bit, maybe quality as well. But uh, there, there must be somebody that they have, you know, an idea for, because they have to also have an i, because they have to have a, a replacement available. For them, in case Miller is one of those guys that you were talking about, like the big moves and everything like that. Miller is one of those guys that doesn't stick around after the summer. Uh, he's going to be his contract is up, I think, in June or so, and he could be a guy that moves on, depending on if the whether the Whitecaps want him or not. It might be his decision to move on at that point.
1: And who knows? We might see some more Latin American flair coming in. Maybe get a, a striker from Colombia or something. It seems to have worked for a, a number of teams. And of course, one of the benefits of bringing in all these guys is that the Whitecaps have a, a coach that is fluent in Spanish, Martin Pert. And I caught up with Martin at training on Tuesday just to, to ask him how he's settled in so far in Vancouver, what he thinks of MLS, how his Spanish speaking can kind of help the whole team communicate and, and get things across, and also just to have a little chat about his very interesting career to date. He's travelled a lot all over the world. So we asked him about that, and we also asked him about Andrea's, Pirlo's comments about conditioning coaches and pre-match training. Here's Martin Peer. So Martin, you you've been over here now for a couple of months. How how have you found the whole experience so far? Very good.
3: Um regarding everything really. The the city obviously is beautiful. You know, I'm not saying anything different to anyone who's come here. It's it's an incredibly beautiful city. People are friendly. The uh the leagues have uh, a very competitive and good standard, which I've enjoyed. And the the club I've really enjoyed being at. You know, they've made me feel welcome and the players uh their um attitude to training. It's very good and you can't ask for any more than that. How much did you know about Major League Soccer before you did come over here? Well, I was involved in the, sort of heading up the scouting for Cardiff, so I always had a, a knowledge of MLS, particularly the the better players, let's say. And in regards to how competitive it, it is between the teams, I didn't really understand it till I was actually in the league. So that's something new and different for me with all the travel as well, obviously,
1: like especially being in the UK, you're not travelling that much between between games. Here,
3: you're having to get flights and everything like that. How have you found that whole experience so far? Yeah, it's it's different, you know. And I think the more you talk about it, the more it becomes a an issue. It is what it is. Granted, it is much longer in terms of duration that you go away for an away trip. But it's no different for every team in the league. So I think you know we have to, as a group try and get away from that focus of of it being long and hard and just say, right, let's let's enjoy going to all these... You know, it's a chance to go and see some great places and yeah. play in some good stadiums, so let's look forward to
1: it. How, how did you your coming to Vancouver come about in the first place? Did you know Carl before from, like, the Welsh connections or, or I mean, how, how did the move come about?
3: A mutual friend introduced us at a conference in London in December before, I think, just after Carl got the job. And then he... Um, He basically, uh, when I left uh, Cardiff, he he got quickly in touch with me and was uh, keen to get me over here and uh, I enjoyed uh, the conversations that we had and I liked him and uh, I liked what he had to say about how he's going to play and how he wants to um, develop the the club and that, so I was quite excited. That's how it came about, really. Now, just touching on Cardiff, with
1: everything that happened there with Malky Mackay and the whole Vincent Tan thing, how how did you find that as like one of the coaches? I mean, did it have a big impact on you, or what? what was it like being at the club
3: during all that trouble? Well, Mark is a very good friend of mine, so it, of course it affects you, but you don't. You know, you, you still have to get on with your day. Um, things affect you in, uh, in in life in general, but when you, you step into work, you just do do what's the right thing, and you know, it didn't really affect my job. Um, but it was, uh, you know, Mark is the one who took me there. He's someone I worked with before. And it's also a friend, so, you know, that was, um, I mean, it's not great, but it is is what it is, you know.
1: Now,
3: you've had such an interesting
1: career so far. Now, when when we were doing some research on you, we saw that when you had done your your degree, that you went, you got a bit of experience with Milan and with with Ajax. What did you learn there, and and what what prompted you to go and try and get some experience there?
3: When I was at university, Uh, I I decided that I wanted to be a football coach. And I was doing a marketing course and the part of marketing is a um, unique selling point um, and I, it just twitched in my brain I was like I haven't got one of those so I decided to um, invest in going to Europe for 16 weeks and going around uh, 16 different teams uh, starting off in Denmark travelling through Holland and Belgium and Germany and uh, down into Switzerland and Italy and up through France so I went to 16 different teams did a report on each team and um, yeah I just tried to use that as a unique selling point and it did it worked because I from that report, but it was put onto the desk of a person called A.D. Buford, who's a manager, you know decent manager as well, um, put on his desk, and we became friends, colleagues, and then worked together at Watford f- from that report. So it was worthwhile.
1: Ah, that sounds excellent. And also saw that as well that you spent some time with the LA
3: Lakers and also the Yankees. Is, did that not happen? <laughs> it did, did not happen. I, I did, after I was um, let go by West Brom, as a youth, sort of working in their youth department, I did another trip um, and I flew to Montreal and travelled down the east coast of America and through South America to Rio and uh, I spent time at Miami Heat and uh, I also visited um, the New England Patriots but I did not actually go to the Yankees and I did not actually go to the Lakers but I don't know where that came from I know
1: you just can't trust Google these days obviously I I mean you have travelled so much what's one of the favourite countries that that you've actually visited not just from a soccer point of view but just from a, a lifestyle point of view Yeah,
3: wife's gonna kill me, but Argentina. Yeah, I love Argentina. Uh, So beautiful the city Buenos Aires and the country in the interior is beautiful and the people good. So yeah, Argentina and Brazil as well. You know I love Brazil. My wife's Brazilian, so you know my family and in laws and that is. Yeah, that part of the world, probably.
1: Now, well, stay in South America, yeah, you got that job at San uh, Nacional in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. What exactly happened there? You are just there for around a month and then new owners came in or something?
3: Yeah, the president uh, called me to offer me the job. I was in at home for a week in Brazil, with my in-laws. And then um, when I went there to start the preparations for pre-season, they got taken over by an investment group. It's called Monaco Investments. is from uh, Barcelona. And they had a Barcelona, ex-Barcelona player, and they brought him in Um, as manager, removed me. He didn't last very long, though. He played about six games, lost all of them, and then he got removed, and Monaco Investment Club left as well, so it was... Yeah, South America is South America, you know, it's just close. Yeah, strange place. And another,
1: well, for me, it seems a strange place football-wise was Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Um, you I mean, you seem to do well there under Peter Taylor, won the Arab Games. How did you find football in the Middle East? And from your experience there, how do you think they are going to do with hosting a World Cup in 2022 in Qatar?
3: Well, they have a passion for football, That was for sure. They love it, they talk about it all the time, they watch football all the time. The players, that is, and the, and the general staff, and that. So, yeah, they've got a real passion for it. Um, it's different in terms of um, maybe work ethic compared to UK and European football, and um, that's certainly different. In regards to hosting it, the the one thing they do want to do, they want to try and do as best as they can, and they'll make it, um, you know, they're up against it in regards to the climate conditions, in well documented, but they've got incredible um, desire and. Ambition and resources to to put on a, a facility and uh, to put on a, a good show, so hopefully it'll be um, it'll be a success, you know. And they, if you've been to Qatar, the the some of the facilities are incredible, you know. So I'm sure they're going to get the facilities right, and if they can uh, work out how to um, uh, to manage the climate, then it should be, you know, it's good for the World Cup to different parts of the world, you know. So the other people get to see these great players, and. You know?
1: Now, obviously, you've come here, you're one of the fluent Spanish speakers that's in the squad just now. When you took the job, did you know that Carl's looking to bring in so many Spanish speakers? And how do you find that being fluent is actually helping you communicate what, what Carl's looking to do with the team?
3: Well, uh, the style of play that we want to, um, or the style of play that Carl really wants to integrate, you know, the high pressing um, with a possession-based game that dominates the opposition. It gets you to focus on the South Americans because they've got that sort of Technical qualities that you're looking for, and uh, yeah, it's. um, I didn't realise so many would come in, but you know they've all been different class, and I really enjoyed. You know, learning the language is is a great, a great thing to do. It's one of the best things I've ever done, and uh, I really enjoy speaking, trying to speak Spanish with with the players, and uh, you know you get to find out a bit more about them. So yeah, enjoy it. It's good.
1: I don't know if you saw that uh, Perlo made a comment about pre-game warm-ups in his autobiography that he's done. He basically was saying that pre-game warm-ups are just like a masturbation for the, the strength and conditioning coaches. Do you, do you feel that it is actually part of the, the game, it's an important thing, and it's just like senior players like that are maybe a little bit stuck in their, their old ways? I don't
3: know if you watch Perlow play, he doesn't... Probably exert himself as yeah, much it doesn't as. Doesn't move much. It doesn't, yeah, it, it, is an absolute genius, and I would, I, would, you know, I can't remember last time I did pay to watch a game, but I would pay to watch him play. He's a, he's a genius. Um, I can see what he's saying. Um, if you watch Barcelona warm up, it's not. But the warm ups have been proven scientifically to, to help in terms of preventing an injury. So yeah, it does have a part to play. Great. thanks so much, Martin. No
1: Whitecaps assistant coach Martin Pert there and he's a really interesting guy he's had such a varied career I mean he's travelled all around the world and it's good to have someone like that at the club and yeah his his Spanish speaking has
2: definitely been useful so far It it seems like the Whitecaps are getting these interesting people to help with the development of the team even like there are few examples of them inserting coaches into their academy programs all across bc and uh, you know across saskatchewan and everything like that so i think it's it's a positive step to get different viewpoints from different pl- people around the world and
1: something which we we haven't mentioned yet on the podcast is that the new fight cats under 18 head coach is a, a face and a name known to, to a lot that's gonna watch the fight caps and Followed local soccer over the years. Now Thompson.
2: Yeah, and he led the team last this past weekend in San Diego, in Southern California. They split their results. Uh, won one game, one lost the other game. So it was good for them. Uh, yeah, he's he's very vocal when he's there. It's uh, him and Steve as well. Uh, Steve, Steve Madley. Uh, Steve Madley. Uh, they, they're both. Uh, uh, there hasn't been an announcement for the Whitecaps. Uh, they seem to be. Co-coaches, but definitely when they're playing, it seems that Niall is the one that's more vocal and, and more in the face of the players, you know, shouting instructions and everything like that. And Steve seems to be the guy that quietly tells players what to do. So they might have a good balance there of coaching the players there on the SEC team. And now Thompson was at Surrey United
1: Firefighters just before he, he came here, had a lot of success there. And talking to Surrey United Firefighters, defending provincial A-Cup champions... If you haven't checked out our stuff on AFTN this week, we're at four games over the weekend and we've got video from all the matches we were at, a lot of reports as well. No games this coming weekend, but when the Whitecaps are away in two weeks' time, try and get out for some of the Provincial Cup quarterfinals, some really good football, some well-known names playing as well for, for the teams and it's, it's just good to get out and support local soccer.
2: And I know a lot of people might have issues with, you know, quality of soccer and everything like that, but when it's everybody's at the same level you can actually go out there and enjoy some good games. They might not be the highest quality, but they're fun, enjoyable, and these players, they're not just going through the motions. They're actually like going full out on the games, and they're trying to win their games, and obviously they're trying to the trophy at the end. And you can't beat a good cup tie either.
1: So that's it for another episode of the podcast. We'll hopefully be back at the weekend with another preview podcast, so watch out for that. But until next time... I've been Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Steve, where can people find you online? On Twitter, it's at Whitecapspeed. And you can read all our stuff at AFTN.ca, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. And also watch out for my stuff on Soccerly.com. So LA Galaxy heading to BC Place on Saturday, second of back-to-back games. Big game for the Whitecaps. They really have to try and... And get something out of this. It's going to show just what kind of team the Whitecaps are this year. Are they going to be competitive in the West or are they going to get rolled over by the big teams once again? We'll be back with a post game show. So until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and mourn the Caps. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back.
0: Until then, There must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.